My name is Thais Gibson, and I'm the co-owner and creator of the Personal Development School. This is your daily breakthrough video, and in this video, I'm going to talk to you about a few key different ways, I think there's like eight or nine in here, um, of how attachment trauma imprints the subconscious mind. And I want you to really see the relationship between cause and effect here. So trauma, I don't want you to think of trauma as having to be like the car accident or like this horrible divorce or physical abuse. Trauma is basically anything the mind can't properly emotionally process and make sense of. And so it stores and continuously protects itself from the chance of it recurring instead, because it hasn't properly had the opportunity to make sense of it, to process the emotion out of the situation and to undo any painful imprints that are created as a byproduct of the situation. So when we have attachment trauma, basically it's the result of unhealthy patterns that we learn and, and they get programmed into us through repetition plus emotion, which is how the subconscious mind is reprogrammed. So these, these patterns of trauma get imprinted upon us and then sort of rinse and repeat it and they become our own coping mechanisms. And they sort of become the lens that we see and interact with the world through as well. So the first way that the that trauma impacts the subconscious mind is through the meaning we give to the situation. So whenever the mind goes through a traumatic event, it desperately seeks to create some kind of certainty out of the event. And even if that certainty is some kind of painful derivative of certainty, the mind will still go there because at the end of the day, we're biologically wired. You know, we want safety and survival more than anything else when it really boils down to it. And so if the mind can get some kind of safety and certainty from making the situation mean, oh, that happened to me because I'm a bad person, or that happened to me because I'm not good enough. If we can give it meaning like that, it's like, oh, we can box it. We can, we, we have certainty. We know why it happened. And that, get, that gives us some kind of false sense of certainty in a way, um, in terms of knowing how things could impact us in the future. It's like, oh, if I can understand why it is and stamp that meaning on the situation, then I don't have to feel like this thing could happen again. I, I know the reasons behind it. And, and that makes me feel a little bit more protected. But obviously the downside of that is that at, at an emotional level, a lot of those painful pieces of meaning we give to situations um, can create a lot of havoc on, in our lives steps further, right? Because if we then go through life thinking I'm not good enough all the time, or I'm a bad person, or I'm unlovable, or, you know, whatever core wounds we we bring out because of the way we're trying to process the experience, then those can create the, the sort of breeding grounds for a lot of emotional suffering to exist. So that's number one. Number two, the coping mechanisms we develop when we're going through the trauma. So what happens is we sort of develop when we're going through really challenging times, coping mechanisms. And these coping mechanisms or behavioral patterns bring us some form of relief. Now, when we have these coping mechanisms and behavioral patterns that bring us some form of relief, they may bring us like immediate relief at the time, but there are often strong downsides to these patterns, especially if they're things that we do on autopilot. So for example, maybe we grew up in a household where we get punished if we try to fight back or speak up for our needs, because maybe you have a very, a very authoritarian parent. And if that's the case, then what's likely to happen from that is you're like, okay, well, my boundaries get me punished. So I'm going to forego having boundaries as a subconscious strategy to stay safe. 
So while that might have been a coping mechanism that you developed then that worked for you then, when you grow up and you go out into the world as as an adult, being boundaryless will be a very painful coping mechanism that has now become an outdated strategy for how to deal with your environment. But once things are programmed into us because we've got repetition and emotion and these become our natural neural circuits that we operate from, then what happens is the byproduct is we go out into the world and we think that this is the way of dealing with things. We think people pleasing and being boundaryless gets our needs met, but we often don't recognize the strong downside and we don't understand why we feel so defeated by different patterns that are you know, a very normal part of our life because they've been with us for so long. Um, Another example of this is like, if you just try to escape your emotions, maybe as a child, you escaped your emotions through binge watching television or through binge eating food or through substances or alcohol or whatever it might be. And those things may have brought you relief, but as those things go on and on, you know, those downsides really build up and become, you know, exponentially larger and more magnified. And, and because they're patterns, it's like every time we get that trigger, oh, that stress, oh, I know what to do when I feel stressed. I go to this coping mechanism that I've programmed in here brings me relief. I feel stressed. I just binge watch TV. I just totally numb out my emotions, but then I'm not working through things. I'm not addressing roots of problems. I'm not giving myself the opportunity to heal. And the same thing goes with it's food or substances or alcohol or whatever it might be, social media. Um, you know, if we have this automatic coping mechanism, sometimes that coping mechanism can prevent us from actually working through the root causes of behavior. Um, another big thing is we will guilt and shame ourselves after trauma. And sometimes this is because it's like, oh, you know, if I can beat myself up for it, then I'm going to punish myself into not repeating the same mistake, or I'm going to punish myself into doing better. And we get this idea because we go through the system of classical conditioning where we get punished for doing things wrong, rewarded for doing things right. But that is like the most unhealthy thing we can do for ourselves. Pain does not solve pain hurt people end up hurting people. And when we stay in the cycle of pain through self-punishment, through beating ourselves up, self-criticizing, instead of becoming curious and being like, why did I do that? What was the root cause? What, what was I thinking or believing at the time? What were my unmet needs that I was trying to fix? When we beat ourselves up instead of inquiring compassionately towards ourselves, then finding the root of the problem and then taking accountability, the beating ourselves up gets us so lost in the story of how awful we are and how guilty we are and how shameful we are that it actually acts as a preventative measure from going inwards and being able to dial in to the root of the problem and overcome it and heal it. And another thing that sort of goes hand in hand with this number four here is self-blame. You know, we blame ourselves because we're trying to derive some kind of certainty. If I can make it my fault, if I can make this situation about me and me being bad or me being the one that made the mistake, when maybe the reality is that I was victimized by a situation and I was in, in a situation that was, you know, far bigger than I was able to handle and process at the time. But if I can make it about me, I can feel like I'm safer in the world because if it was my fault, at least it's in my control. And so that's another big thing that comes out of, of different traumas we're exposed to. And there, there are more specific traumas that, that tends to apply to some more than others, but it's a huge pattern and theme overall. And then another big thing is sometimes we can get into a, a free state where we just go very much into autopilot mode. Um, and we kind of dissociate or disconnect from our sense of self. And it's like, if we can just, you know, stay so externally focused and so externally honed in on our relationships outside of us, the expectations people have outside of us and just put all of our attention there, then at least we don't have to feel the pain or suffering that's inside of us. And 
sometimes you'll see like sort of the hidden symptom of that being if you really are afraid to spend time alone with yourself, um, then, then it can also be a sign that, and it's not always this way, but it can also be a sign that you're just afraid to be alone with your feelings and the stuff that you haven't properly emotionally processed and hand in hand with that goes into, we will get totally out of relationship to our needs. You know, sometimes we learn, no, you can't have needs in childhood or your needs are unseen or unheard. Or when you try to express them, people treat them like they don't matter, or they're too, you know, preoccupied with their own needs and their own stuff. So they can't see yours. And then it becomes painful to have needs needs, right? Because you associate, you learn to subconsciously associate your needs with feelings of rejection. If every time you express them in your upbringing, or maybe in a painful relationship, relationship you're in or whatever it might be, if you just constantly get negative feedback, negative reinforcement, feelings of rejection. And so then we go, well, my needs doesn't feel good to have them. So I'm just going to push them away, disconnect from them. But that creates major detriments in our relationship to ourself, which then further causes pain and challenges in our interpersonal relationships later on. Like if I don't know my needs, can't express them to my partner, can't get them met. And then I'm going to go, my partner doesn't care about me or whatever it might be. So it's another signpost of attachment trauma or some form of trauma being impacted or, or imprinted. And then the last two big pieces in here that we have are extreme fight or flight responses. If we find ourselves over defending, you know, maybe somebody cuts us off and we think we have to jump out of our car and scream at the person. And it's like, okay, wait, why do I feel such a, a, an intense need to overprotect myself? usually because I didn't have the protection I needed at different points in childhood and in my upbringing. So I went into overcompensation mode to try to cope and, and keep myself safe um, or extreme flight responses. You know, we leave at the drop of a hat, exact same underlying principles, just expressed in a flight response instead of a fight response. And the last big piece here that we have um, as a symptom of attachment trauma imprinting the subconscious mind is a damaged internal trust baseline. You know, if we've been exposed to a lot of broken trust, broken promises, betrayals, things over the course of life, we learn that, oh my goodness, we can't trust. We can't, you know, expect people to be there. We can't be vulnerable, vulnerable to people and open up. It doesn't work. It doesn't get our needs met. And we build in all these negative emotional associations to the idea of trust and we push away people. And trust is probably one of the top three most important ingredients to have if you wanna have a healthy relationship, whether that be a romantic relationship, a friendship, a family relationship. And it doesn't mean you have to trust all people. If there's unhealthy people, you can have really strong boundaries with them and not have them too, too much in your life. But we wanna have room to trust the right people so we can have these healthy two-way exchanges. And so there's a lot of work you can do to really repair your internal trust baseline as well um, through reprogramming, through being better with your own boundaries, being better with communication, showing up for yourself, being consistent, knowing what you need, expressing it healthily, receiving your needs, lots of different stuff in there. So these are all really important topics, each of them individually, quite honestly, um, and very profound topics when it comes to healing and reprogramming and doing that inner work. If this is something you want to do a deeper dive into, we have the um, post-traumatic growth course. It's a very, very profound course um, when you enter into PDS. And it would be something I recommend doing alongside with a therapist um, and, and really going through the principles because it's very deep, very 
intensive, um, but really brings great results. And um, we have a overcoming jealousy and repairing broken trust course. We have emotional mastery and belief reprogramming course, um, reprogramming our relationship to guilt and shame. Um, lots of different things in there as resources to really help you move through all these different challenges that may exist. And just remember, if this is something that you are experiencing, it's not your fault. It may be our responsibility later on in life, but it's not your fault if these things happen in some of your patterning. They probably weren't things you raised your hand and asked for or volunteered for, um, but they are things that when you work through them on the other side of them, you have a lot more peace and healing and the ability to thrive and have safe and healthy relationships with the people around you, which is a very important part of our lives. So um, let me know any questions you have in the comments below. I will put a link to some of those things in the description box. Thank you for being here. Thank you for watching and please like, share and subscribe if you're getting a lot out of this channel. I will see you in the next video.